Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Topic Thunder Podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host today, Dylan Huntsinger at Thunder Chats. I'm joined by my partner in crime, Alex Roig. Alex, how's it going, man? Going good, man. Going good. Ready to get this season started with. Yes, sir, man. You know, hey, preseason, you know, it is started. We've got one game in. Um, you know, we've got a few more to cover before the regular season starts. And, you know, pretty soon we're going to be seeing some legitimate Thunder basketball. And, you know, to talk about what we saw in preseason, talk about what we're going to be seeing in the season, uh, we got a very special guest today. So joining us today, um, part of the DailyThunder.com, part of the Daily Thunder podcast, the Old Man Game podcast, and infamously asked Josh Giddy, did you poop? Brandon Rabar. I like that. That's part of my uh, part of my biography now. Like that'll, uh, you know, it's so funny because you know you cover the team, you put in all these hours. You guys know it. Uh, I know Alex knows it from going, you know, to the media days and and all those things. You write all these articles, and then you leave your your Zoom mic on one time and and ask your one year old if he pooped, and that's all you're known for anymore. Hey, hey, you you were well known in the Thunder community before that. Yeah, man, it was uh, it was just poetic justice. You know, I, I think uh, you came on the podcast on our little uh, green room. You know, after the draft start, uh, happened and the pick was made, and I was like, "It's your fault, man." Like, you know, because you asked that question, it was just written in stars. Well, now after after seeing the preseason game, I don't think anybody else say it's my fault. I, I think I'm taking full credit. Like, you're welcome, everybody. That. Yeah that the thunder took josh giddy because i asked him if he pooped no and if that's what i'm known for believe me i'm i'm very very proud of asking both my son and josh giddy if they pooped so i'm 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 happy with it hey i mean if anything then you're a good dad for checking in on your kid so i i 100 i'm in your corner there um before we jump into single large hey there there are there are worse things to be known for so hey did you poop (laughs) that's on the scale of you know bad to good just leave that at good, man. Yeah, I've I've had people say, man, if that would have been me, who knows what I would have said if my mic was on. Like, I mean, there's a lot worse things that you could have said than just asking your kid if he pooped. Like, yeah, you know. So, so yeah, yeah. It, it could have been a real bad situation on there, and you know, I appreciated it. And after the the post draft um, media availability. You said, you know, Josh, I'm going to try not to ask you any inappropriate questions. And <laughs> it, it, at first he was like, huh? And then it like hit him. He's like, oh, yeah, it was you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was funny to like, like see the realization. Like once you realize like, oh, that's you. Yeah. So, so we got a connection. We're good. Like me and the, the Thunder's future, you know, 10 time all-star and MVP, as we could tell from that one preseason game, which I'm sure we'll, we'll cover here in just a minute. Absolutely, man. Hey, we're going to jump right into it here with uh, 
Our first segment, everybody knows it and they love it. It is the single large item. Single, single large, large item. item. All right, guys. So single large item, our one big takeaway from the preseason. We're going to have three um, three separate subjects here. For, so for the first one, we're going to jump right into the preseason game that was the Oklahoma City Thunder. I was visited by the Charlotte Hornets and they lost 113 to 97. Um, we're going to go ahead and jump to our guests, man. And Brandon, what is your single large item for this game? It should be a gimme. <laughs> Brandon, are you there? I think he's muted. So I, yeah, I'm I sorry. guess I'll go ahead and go. Oh, uh, he's there. He's there. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Alex. I'll, I'll let you go first. Yeah, I was. See, I've become so paranoid. <laughs> With these Zoom calls, I constantly mute myself now when I'm not talking. And then when I try to talk, I'm like, oh, yeah, I mean, muted. Is your kid in the car? <laughs> no, but I just randomly now just say, did, I just randomly now say, did you poop when I'm by myself? <laughs> hey, I mean, it, it makes sense, man. I was listening back to our moose pod last time we had him on, and uh, there was just like, just like a, a segment of silence. And Connor just be like, Dylan, you're muted. I'm like, crap. I literally never mute my mic, but like, since we have like six people on the pod, I was trying to like keep as much background noise uh, out. And yeah, I, I, I was talking with the muted mic like at least four times that podcast. So I sympathize, but no, man, you're a guest. So I'm going to let you see it off, man. What's your single large item for this game? So for, I mean, this game, I mean, my biggest t- takeaway, not to, you know, use the obvious, but how could you choose anything else other than Josh Giddy? I mean, Josh Kitty was the story of the game. He was everything about that game. You know, the the Thunders, you know, if you were to list the priorities, like rank them for the Thunder this season, I would say Josh Kitty, you know, showing the promise and talent to, uh, you know, kind of justify the number six overall pick might be number one. They know what they have in Shea. Shea's going to be a star. That's, That's no doubt. They know what they have in Lou Dort, and he's probably going to grow. But what they want to see more than anything this season is Josh Giddy, you know, kind of maybe become that next blue chip guy to put next to Shea. Maybe Poku becomes that guy, hopefully. But the important thing is Josh Giddy here because of the draft capital and because what season last season meant to the Thunder. And you couldn't have asked for a better NBA debut. I mean, the way he scored, the way he passed, the, the box score says he got three assists and the box score is a liar because I saw, I saw that man's passing and he should have had about 15 assists mm-hmm. and they were all beautiful and gorgeous. And uh, yeah, he, he did everything well. He was the best player on the floor for either team. That includes Shea. That includes Lamella ball, Gordon Hayward. Obviously it's one game, small sample size, all those things. But it's better that he looked that good than he didn't look that good. So uh, that was absolutely the big takeaway. Yeah, for sure. And you know, talking about his assist, always. I, uh, oh yeah. I, I'll just. I'm sorry, Dylan. I was just gonna. Go, I was gonna say, always remember Poku's six three pointers in his first game against San Antonio last year. So uh, <laughs> yeah. I just want to say, pump your pump your brakes. You know. It was a great debut, but, yeah, I always remember that, and I'm like, damn, that player in that game versus the player that was, you know, Poku in the first half of the season, 
I couldn't see that player. That player, you know, those two players did not compare at all. Uh, now the now the Paku at the at the second half of the season, that one yeah. looked more like the like the six three pointer one. But but yeah, so hopefully this is more consistent. You know, I, I think I think Giddy is a lot more prepared for the NBA than was Poku. Um, but still, you know, still it was it was preseason. You know, I'm pretty sure the Hornets weren't necessarily playing a hundred percent either. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, well, you know, like you said, you know, shooting, scoring, like that's that that's something that, you know, wavers game by game. Um, but something that won't waver is like Brandon was talking about was this passing, you know, the box score, like Brandon said, has three assists. Uh, I tweeted that uh, Josh Giddy was up to at least 37 potential assists at that point. Um, that, that's what it mm-hmm. felt like. You know, our boy Moose, he, uh, he smoked the layup. Um, he had a couple of them. Uh, that that one left-handed swing pass to Taylor in the corner, uh, Taylor bricked Ooh. it. And, you know, it, it ended up getting got the offensive rebound in the M1. So, you know, it worked out. But there was yeah. so many times that he set his team up or teammates up perfectly, like for the perfect play, you know, to finish the play. And, you know, their shots just wasn't going in. So, um, you know, whenever the teammate – his teammates are performing better. Josh Giddy's performance is going to look even better in terms of passing. Um, and, you know, if the scoring is there consistently, that's just gravy, man. Um, so, yeah, Alex, let's go to you, man. What's your single large item for this game? Um, so, my single large item, you know, it's it's a preseason game, so not not too much can be garnered from it, but um, Aaron Wiggins was very, he was very aggressive in his seven minutes out there. Like he literally got 12 points, um, on four or five shooting, you know, three or three from three point land. Um, I was very impressed with that. And I know it was end of the bench guys that were playing at the end of the game. Um, but you know, if you go out there and you are the most aggressive, and you turn, you know, you're the best player out there, then that kind of speaks to your um, persistence to, you know, maybe get more playing time, maybe get more, uh, more run, maybe get into the rotation when the regular season starts. Um, we've seen two-way guys do this all the time. You know, Lou Dort, um, you know, probably the latest one that we saw, Moses Brown last year. Um, but these two-way guys, sometimes they come in real hungry, and I think Aaron Wiggins is a guy who's going to come in real hungry. And I think, you know, he he has a prototypical NBA body, man. Long, long arms, six foot eight, six foot nine. Um, looks like he can he can defend. Um, and if he's able to shoot, I know he's not going to shoot three for three every game, but if he's able to shoot, you know, thirty-two to thirty-five percent in his rookie season, you know, we might have ourselves another, you know, four-year. $3 million player on our hands um, that could be part of the core here moving forward. Yeah. And he's, he's confident, man. You know, he issues that thing mm-hmm. with confidence. He's got a smooth game offensively, his handle, I um, mean, you know, creating space and, you know, knocking down the jumper. Uh, Brandon, what would you think about Aaron Wiggins performance in those limited minutes? Yeah. I don't think you could have asked for anything better. I mean, a perfect three, three from three, 12 points in seven minutes. I mean, for a Hashtag late second efficiency. round, say what? Hashtag efficiency. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, for a late second round guy, you know, those guys are always kind of, you know, dart throws anyways. The Thunder have had a lot of good luck with with second rounders and undrafted guys. 
uh, overperforming and kind of exceeding expectations. And, you know, Aaron Wiggins is a pretty polished college player. Uh, he came in. He doesn't look like a typical rookie. He doesn't look like a typical late second rounder, that's for sure. And I know that he was mocked in some places, maybe late 30s, early 40s. He fell just a little bit. Um, he's a guy that can play. Uh, you know, I think that maybe people thought his ceiling was capped because of, you know, he he's not as young as some of the guys coming out. And, and you know, so you feel like he kind of may be what he is. Uh, but he improved every year that he played in college. And he's a solid guy. Um, I think he could end up being a, a decent role player for, for the Thunder or, or, you know, down the line for another team, depending on what, what happens. But great debut, that's for sure. Yeah, man, it's going to be uh, – I, I think that, you know, having him as a two-way is going to be really important because, um, you know, the Thunder for years has utilized um, the two-way and even just their G League team in general more than a lot of other NBA teams. They, they use it as a true developmental, you know, system. Like, they use it like a farm system, like, a you know, a baseball team would do it. Um, you know, it's not just something that's off there, you know, kind of off to the side, you know, I'm not really thinking about that. Like they like, like everything else in their franchise and their organization, they, it has a purpose. And uh, I would love to see Wiggins to get it, go over there in the G league and, you know, just kind of like let loose, like Blue door did, like Hami used to do, like Deontay Burton used to do, like, you know, just go out there, let loose, you know, work on your game a little bit more offensively. Like he had an offensive explosion this game, but he can easily go out the next game and shoot over six because, I, you know, based on what we saw in college, uh, three to three from three is not something that you can expect from Aaron Wiggins. Uh, he does have a very nice mid-range game. He's super athletic, but um, that's that we haven't seen that to be his game. Now, if he continue to, continues to do that the rest of the preseason, then, you know, we might be talking about Aaron Wiggins uh, getting some rotational minutes, just like his boy Lou Dort. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens with Aaron Wiggins. Um you know, I just mentioned him, Lou Dort. That is my single large item. And my single large item is uh, I think Lou Dort's shooting is going to be legit this season. You know, um, going into last season, everybody was like, it'd be awesome if Dort would, you know, be like this 30 to 32% three-point shooter, you know, from the jump. And there was a point in the beginning of the season, he was shooting like 44% from three. And everybody was like, there's no way that's real. And it wasn't. I think he dropped down to like 36, 35%, something like that. But the point of the, ma the, point of the matter is, you know, it wasn't as low as 32. It wasn't as high as 44. It was right around there in the middle. In this game, he shot three to six, which is 50%. And I know it's one game. But as compared to his teammate, like Darius Baisley, um, like Alex Pokaszewski, who shot two to seven, um, his shot looked clean. Like it, it looked better than I've ever seen it. Um, the ones that did go in, they wasn't touching a single inch of the rim. Um, I, I think the Dort shooting is going to be real. Not only that, you know, his shooting from beyond the arc, but uh, the one shot that he made that was outside of the, or what well, that was inside of the arc was the explosive dunk that he had over Jalen McDaniels. Um, I just got to say, like, I've seen Dort do some dunks, and, you know, he had that one memorable one last year um, over Anthony Simons in the, on the fast break. But I got to say, that was probably the most explosive I've seen Lou Dort in his short career in OKC. Uh, Alex, what did you think about Dort's performance? 
I I enjoyed it, man. It was, I mean, it looked it looked vintage to Dort. Um, you know, he was he was defending. He was you know shooting the rock. He was handling the ball a little bit. Um, I don't know. It was it was it was Dort. It, it, you know, you know, you're a good player when by your third season, if you're doing the same things you've been doing, you know, positively the first two seasons, and everybody goes. You know, it's just it's just Dort. He just had a Dort game. Then you know you you know you, you've made it in this league. And I think Dort is going to be a guy that you know consistently he's going to be hitting jumpers. Um, he's going to be defending his ass off. Um, and so you know that's pretty much what we saw in this game. Now he finished at the rim that one time. Hopefully that's something that continues, and hopefully that's the part of his game that that is developed um, this season and, and this off season that he that he developed it, but. You know, it was it, it was Dort. It was Dort. Uh, Brandon, you got anything to say about Dort here? No, I mean, I'm just in agreement with what you guys are saying. You know, I talked about how big Josh Giddy, you know, showing that star potential is. And the Thunder know what they have in SGA and Lou Dort. But the thing with Lou Dort is he's the one guy that can kind of keep growing. He's got so much untapped potential because we know what he is defensively. And he, he went from undrafted guy to starter midseason, his rookie season, to like this defensive stud, to all of a sudden he can shoot a decent clip, to all of a sudden he was carrying the offensive load while SGA was out. Now, he wasn't exactly scoring efficiently, but he showed potential. You know, that 40-point night, he, he had that game winner. There were times last season he hit multiple threes in a game, you know, again, this is one preseason game. He played a half, but he just looks good. He looked good when he was mm-hmm. playing with the Canadian national team. And he's a guy that, you know, can keep exceeding expectations. And if he keeps taking – like, if he takes another leap, like what he did from year two to year one, if he does that in year three, I mean, he could he could start to look pretty special. Uh, so mm-hmm. maybe the Thunder all of a sudden have – you know, another blue chip guy in in Lou Dort. All of a sudden, he's not just like a, a great role playing defensive specialist who can score. Sometimes, if his offense can become consistent, if he can finish better at the rim and improve his three point shot, man, Lou Dort could be something special. Something special on one of the cheapest contracts in the league. So, yeah, it's it's going to be fun to see if uh, you know. Lou can continue to build on that. You know, what what we know from Lou from the past couple of years is he's got a great work ethic. You know, he tries to make himself better every offseason. And, you know, we know he's going to bring it defensively. And he said that he's been committed to expanding his game offensively, um, finishing at the rim. So hopefully, uh, you know, we start to see that more in fruition as his minutes go up as we, you know, gear up towards the season. So uh, moving on to the next single large item, and this is a uh, preseason expectations or something you're looking forward to in the preseason and going to go uh, going to go to Alex first Alex what's uh what's a preseason expectation that you have after we've had media day we've had one preseason game what's what else are you looking forward to in the preseason I mean I just want to see I want to see the continued development of the young guys and I know basically all we have is young guys um but I, I want to see I want to see how Trey Mann develops. Like we we got a glimpse into what Giddy's gonna be. And Giddy's always been that. Giddy's, you know, he's always gonna be a tall guy that can pass, a tall guy that 
You know, he's going to use his length to, you know, to find cutters. He's going to use his length to find open shooters. You know, we kind of know what we have in him. But Trey Mann is he's a guy that so I'm, I'm a little bit disappointed in how he has played. And, mm-hmm. and the part that I'm disappointed in is he's had opportunities to to shoot like three pointers. And he's kind of built as a he's kind of built as a shooter coming, you know, coming into camp and coming um into summer league and things like that. And he he always pump fakes and then he drives. And it's like you have to shoot some of those jumpers. You have to shoot some of those three-pointers. Um, and so, you know, one of the things that I'm just looking for is to see if this guy, this early in his career, you know, you want you just want to see flashes of a guy that, you know, he can drive in. Because everybody talks about he, his, his ability to create space. Mm-hmm. We got to start using that space now. You know, we got to start hitting jumpers. We got to start taking shots. Not necessarily just hitting jumpers, but taking shots and putting the onus on the defense to defend you and to create, you know, more offense from the gravity that you pull. Um, so that's, that's what I'm, I'm kind of excited to see uh, this preseason because preseason is what it is. You know, it's just working out the kinks, seeing what you have. Um, and so he's one of our unknowns. So I, I really want to see what we have in him. Yeah, for sure. And I, I love Trey, man. Like, you know, everybody wants to compare him to Lou Williams, but, Trey Man, like a lot of people don't realize, he's six foot five. Like he's he's a big body. He's got some length to him. Um, he's got some quick feet. I'm, you know, he's obviously not there as a defender right now, but uh, I could see him being like a positive defender in the future as you know he starts to, you know, learn the speed of the NBA and you know how to defend. He's got guys there like Lou that you know that can help him, like show him the ropes. So, uh, I, I'm really big on Trey Man, and yeah, I'm glad you covered his space because. The dude has so many like dribble combos. He has a, a lot of counters, you know, if they shut them down and like he, he just creates space like it's nobody's business. And uh, I, I'm right there with you, man. You know, he shot two threes in this game uh, out of seven of his shots. He was 0 of 2. And like you said, that was one of the things that he was known for in college, not just shooting threes, but shooting threes off the dribble. He was one of the most efficient shooters off the dribble um, and most notably his step back. And I, I haven't seen that step back three in summer league. I haven't seen it in preseason. So I, w- I would like to see him, uh, you know, kind of get to that shot as the, you know, as the guys that are going to be firmly in the rotation, like the starter minutes guys, as they start to, you know, play less minutes as we gear up into the season um and Trey man gets more of an opportunity i would love to see more you know a more aggressive Trey man and a more aggressive from you know shooting the ball so right there with you uh at, brandon what, what what do you think about Trey man uh what what are you looking forward to seeing from him yeah i'm really glad that alex brought Trey man up because i i said the other day uh I think that Trey Mann is probably the most underrated player on the Thunder right now. Josh Giddy, for good reason, is getting all the high because one of how he looked preseason, but also because he was the number six pick, so it makes sense. Then in summer league, Jeremiah Robinson Earl was kind of the standout for the Thunder, and, and he looks kind of like a steal in mm-hmm. the second round. Trey Mann, you know, he played a couple games, didn't really hit many shots, and then he had you know to sit out the last couple games because of personal reasons. Then going into this first preseason game, like you guys said, didn't really, you know, perform all that well, except for at the free throw line. He, he drew contact and went to the free throw line, which is nice. So I don't think, you know, most people realize yet 
what a great versatile offensive bag Trey Mann really has. I mean, mm-hmm. the guy, like you guys mentioned, he can really shoot. He's one of the best shooters in the rookie class, bar none. Uh, like you said, the step back jumper, uh, his floater is the best. I mean, like mm-hmm. Sam Bassini, like, you know, draft guru rated him as the number one floater in the class. Uh, number one at um, uh, three-point shooting uh, off the dribble and one of the best shooters in the class. I mean, the guy can score. He can create space, shot creation. You know, that's one of the, the most valued thing in the NBA today is a guy that can go out and get his own shot a guy that can score, a guy that can shoot. And the dude has range. We're talking like Ty Jerome, Damian Lillard range. I'm going to throw Ty Jerome in there now. Like I'm not going to use Steph Curry as the example anymore. It's going to be yes. Dame and, and Jerome. Uh, but that's the kind of range that Trey Mann has. People just haven't seen it yet because his shots haven't been dropping. He's been hesitant. And I think the hesitancy has affected his shot. But here's the deal. His first year at Florida, it took him a little while to – to get used to the college game from high school. It may be the same thing with the pro game, but once he gets comfortable, the dude, I'm telling you, he can score. So, yeah, I'm glad Alex brought him up. But at some point, there's going to be a Trey Man breakout. All right, we're waiting for it, man. I, I'd love to see it. I think he's um, he's showtime, man. You know, I I, I talked about how – now, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and transition my single large item. Uh, my single large item is uh, what I call Showtime Thunder. The lineup of Shea, Dort, Giddy, Poku, and Baisley, a Showtime, man. You know, defensively, you know, they're kind of flying all over the place. And um, on offense, you know, they get out in transition. They've got a bunch of guys that can grab the ball off the rim and go. They've got a bunch of guys that create for themselves and their teammates. Like, it's such a fun, young lineup. And, um, you know, obviously, Baisley was struggling more than, you know, anybody else in that little lineup there. So, as uh, as his play improves, I believe that lineup will improve. I just think it gives you so many options on offense and defense. Um, I think that that's more or less going to be our quote-unquote death lineup in close games, um, you know, kind of closing games depending on how guys like a Trey Man, like a Isaiah Roby or, you know, a Teo Maladome, maybe Ty Jerome, you know, somebody like that, depending on how they develop. Um, I think that that's going to be kind of our closing lineups in a lot of game, um, you know, and just try to be small and be quick and have all, you know, a lot of playmaking out on the floor. So, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing how Showtime Thunder develops. Uh, Alex, what, what do you think about Showtime Thunder? And uh, is it not the most perfect nickname? <laughs> I don't know about Showtime Thunder. Like that's it's the a, Thunder Roll. Yeah, that's a very uh, a, that, that. Yeah, that's not that's not the Showtime Lakers. Like Showtime is reserved for like you know crazy winning basketball type thing. But if you want to use it, that's that's you. That's you. You can go ahead and use it. Um, I don't know, man. I, I like. I like that lineup. I think that lineup is going to be eaten up on the boards. I think that lineup is going to be, um, it's going to be kind of taken advantage of on the interior. Uh, but like you said, every every person in that lineup can literally grab and go, um, and so transition opportunities galore. And that's and honestly, one of the things that I kind of noticed whenever those guys were out there uh, was the fact that the that the speed speed of the game went faster, um, and so. 
you know, it, it may not necessarily be Russell Westbrook and, you know, Kevin Durant flying, you know, flying down the court, uh, but we can have our own little version of, you know, of a, uh, of a speed offense, you know, transition offense with this team, especially if you're able to do the grab and go and just, you know, you don't necessarily have to kick out to a guard to, to start a break or to start, you know, start going down the other end of the floor. So um, I, I could see that. I could definitely see that, but showtime, it's a, I don't know if that's a, a name you want to bestow on them just yet. Showtime Thunder, man. It's, it's happening. I'm making it a thing. <laughs> okay. I'm willing it. Uh, Brandon, what do you think about Showtime Thunder, man? Yeah, sorry, man. I'm going to have to side with Alex on this one. Uh, I think it's a fun nickname, and I think that uh, – look, I think everything has to be viewed in context. Like, this Thunder team is going to be a lot of fun for Thunder fans to watch these young guys develop and to watch these guys, you know, uh, grow. And there, there are some guys – like, when I talk about Trey Mann, he's got an offensive bag and things like that. He's still a rookie, and we, we don't know what's going to happen. Uh, you know, Josh Giddy, I think, is legit. I've been high on Josh Giddy. I think that he's going to be a, a real, real good player in this league. I don't want to say a star. I'm thinking star, but I'm not going to say star. Uh, Shea obviously is what he is. There's, there's guys with potential. I mean, Poku and all those things. But at the end of the day, these are guys that are so young. Rookies, sophomores, and, and most – rookies sophomores third year players you know second round draft picks undrafted guys these are still kind of shots in the dark these are are dart throws besides sga everybody else is still kind of you know learning filling it out we'll see what we have uh but within context on this thunder team as far as like most fun lineups and and the best group of five guys that you can put on there and, and like score and have fun and be fast and all those things for sure compared to other teams like compared to how the nets are going to be or the lakers going to be no, i mean it won't seem like showtime compared to those teams yeah. but compared to most of the the lineups that the thunder can trot out there this year sure yeah i'll, I'll go with showtime on that we'll, we'll call it the circus is that better <laughs> <laughs> What's uh? What's your thought on if you're gonna have that lineup for the you know for the reasons of maybe quick offense and things like that? Uh, what are your thoughts on maybe taking either one of Baisley and Poku and replacing him with uh, Ty Jerome to give some spacing, give some shooting out there? Go ahead on that, Brian. Yeah. I'm really high on Ty Jerome. He's he's such a good shooter. Mm. He's so smart with the ball. And if we're just kind of like saying forget about defense for this for like a showtime lineup, then I think that Ty Jerome is one of your best five uh, offensive players because of the way he can score the ball, pass the ball in his high IQ and and things like that. So yeah, you know, and they'll be small, but you know, when you're just wanting to score and who cares about defense, it doesn't matter if you're small. So yeah, yeah I'm I'm down for that. Yeah, and it helps you space out the floor at that point too, um, which you know. As, as everybody and their mom will tell you, Shea led the league in drives last year. So that is a game that he uh, – you know, that's a aspect of his game that he tends to lean on. And if you have guys like Ty Jerome and maybe Alou Dort, who's a legitimate three-point shooter, and uh, maybe Getty and Poku become respectable three-point shooters, I think that, you know, you open that lane up for Shea. And, um, yeah, 
that makes everything easier uh, for the offense. So, uh, Brandon, what's your single large item for uh, your your the remainder remainder? Well, that's not a word. Remainder, remainder. of the preseason <laughs> expectations. I really do like the Trey Man pick, uh, but I'll pick a, a different one. I'll, I'll say Poku. Uh, uh, you know, Poku is another big investment for the Thunder. They traded Ricky Rubio, their number 25 pick, and that 28th pick that they got in the Lakers deal to move up to get him. They're very, very high on him. And Poku is just so much fun, man. Like, how much fun would it be to see Poku, like, take a leap this season and become a guy that you can get excited about? Like, hey, man, Poku really might happen. Uh, so if if we can see some continued growth from, from Poku, like see some flashes, uh, you know, that first quarter and that preseason game looked really rough, but then he came out the second quarter and the rest of the game and, and he did, he, he hit some threes. He had a couple passes, a steal, some rebounds where you're like, Ooh, Poco's kind of showing, he's kind of showing. And so, so for me, I want to see, you know, Poku show out because if I were to rank like the prospects that the thunder have and like who could become like a star or whatever, like, to me, there's, like, four guys who stand out. Obviously, Shea's the guy. I've mentioned that a few times. And Lou Dort and Josh Giddy. But then Poku's right after those three guys. Mm-hmm. And so I, I want to see Poku realize his potential. All right. Alex, what you got to say about Poku, man? I, I mean, I, I kind of agree on what he said. Like, he, he, he looked like early season Poku in that first quarter, and it was just like, Ew. you know. All the stuff that they talk about during training camp and during media day, and it's like I, I'm not seeing it. But after the first quarter, um, he settled down and he looked a lot more like second half of the season Poku, which is what you want to see. You want to see that Poku come into this season and then improve as this season goes on. Because if second half Poku comes into this season and he improves, you know, he continues to improve and, and be on that upward tra- trajectory. Um, that's really what you want with him. Like he, like, you know, I, I hope some, I hope people temper their expectations when it comes to Poku because he's still extremely skinny. He's still, you know, not going to necessarily be able to, you know, score on contact and things like that. Like he needs to develop his body. It's going to take a couple of years for that to happen. Um, but if the rest of his game can kind of develop, or, or, and if you could put around, if you could put players around Poku that help to ex- accentuate his talents, such as you know passing, handling the ball, and things like that, um, I, I I think you can see improvement in his game. Um, but it, it is gonna you know it is gonna be a process with him because because of his body, because of his physical, um, his you know how how he is physically. Um, so so yeah, so I I really I really enjoyed. The, the after first quarter Poku. Yeah. And, you know, not only is Poku skinny, like you were saying, but like he's, he's really, really young. Like Poku would have been the youngest guy, one of the youngest guys in this year's draft. And he was drafted the year prior. Um, yeah. The, the thing that I noticed about Poku is uh, you, you, you can't shake his confidence. Dude's a gunner. He shot 12 shots. Um, I believe that was a, I believe it was a team high. I, I strayed away from my box score for a second here. Uh, yes, it was a team high tie with Josh Giddy with 12 shots. Um, you know, obviously he only hit four of those, but um, Poku's confidence can't be shaken, man. You know, I mean, we we saw him going through his hills and valleys in his rookie year. 
um, more so valleys in the beginning of you know before the GWE bubble, but it was more uh, more hills um, on the, uh, you know post GWE bubble. So it, it'll be interesting to see that you know as he takes this step towards this development and this plan that the Thunder have you know kind of laid out for him, um, if the confidence you know is just unshaken and the confidence stays you know no matter what it is because. Uh, uh, I think Poku is going to be a good piece for this team. Um, and, you know, a lot of times when you have guys that young, if they start to struggle, they start to lose confidence. You know, you look at a guy like Basley in uh, the beginning of the year last year, he didn't get off to the best start. And, you know, that kind of followed him. And he started to get a little bit more sheepish. Um, after his injury, he came back and he was able to be aggressive and, you know, start to build up more confidence. And I thought he played a lot better, you know, after he came back from his injury than um, beforehand. So, but Poku, you don't have that problem. It doesn't matter if he's doing good or doing bad. He's going to be confident um, in what he's doing. He's confident in the shot and, you know, Poku's going to Poku. So, uh, yeah, I- I'm excited to see some Poku, man. Um, my single large item. Oh, yeah, you know, moving to the next part. Sorry. So my single large item for going into the regular season is what Shea does in debut game. You know, uh, Coach Dagnall talked about how the starters were gassed in that preseason game. Um, Shea only played 17 minutes. As we alluded to, he wasn't great. He had nine points on three of eight shooting, one of four from deep, four assists, three rebounds. And, you know, he made a few bad decisions. I think he had – he had four turnovers in the game so it wasn't a typical like prototype shape performance but if you go back the past couple years in that debut game of of the season you know in the jazz game he had 26 points nobody really knew what to expect from him didn't know where he was in the pecking order with chris paul and a shooter he just came out and you know led all the scores on the team um got big buckets throughout the game over rudy gobert um, you know, through their young guards, Donovan Mitchell. I, I, I believe he outplayed Donovan Mitchell in that game, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and then, of course, last year, you know, he struggled shooting a little bit, but he still had, I think, um, 27 points or something like that. And the biggest moment of the game is when he came down, uh, gave Cody Martin the nice little in-and-out dribble and pulled up, pull up from just inside the three-point line and drained the shot as the buzzer goes off. So, you know, we, we've seen Shea step up and, you know, kind of give us a glimpse of what's to come in the first game of the season. So after he's had this offseason, after he's missed the end of the season with his plantar fasciitis, I'm just really looking forward to seeing how he, you know, comes out and, you know, kind of makes a statement in game one against the Jazz because, you know, Shea always plays good against the Jazz. So I'm excited to see it. Um, Brandon, well, what what do you think about Shea um, going into the season? You know, like I said, he missed a lot at the end of the season. Um, he's been working and rehabbing, and I, I think he's got a hunger more so this year than even years prior. You know, just because he missed so much of last season. Um, what what do you think about him going into the season? Yeah, I think Shea should have been an All Star last year. I think his numbers showed it mm-hmm. out. Now, obviously, he got shut down the second half of the season. So when you look at the season as a whole, it doesn't seem like an all-star season because he only played, you know, less than half the games. But up until, you know, when all-star votes were counted and he was still playing, 
he should have been an all-star over Mike Conley and arguably over a, another guy or two in the West. That's what I think of Shea. And I think that he is an all-star level player going into the season. I think he'll show it this season. Now, it, it may be a little rougher this season because he's not going to have an Al Horford, like a near all-star level talent playing with him. Uh, George Hill played with him. Uh, those guys are gone, and there's no Kimball Walker. Uh, Derek Favors may or may not play. Uh, probably will play some, but he's probably going to rest a lot. But even then, he's he's not to the level of the Horfords or the Hills or those guys. So it's going to be Shea and the young guys. And Shea has developed a reputation amongst the league as one of the best young players in the game and an all-star level talent. So as we even saw in the first preseason game against the Hornets, he is getting all kinds of defensive attention. I mean, like double teams all over the place when he's yeah. driving lane and things like that. He did it all last season with the least amount of space in the league. There may be even less this season. We'll see. I mean, maybe if Josh Giddy shows out and you have to kind of pay attention to him and they have a good chemistry and they can play off of each other. Uh, you know, if Lou Dort, if you got to respect his three, opens up some things. Uh, but ultimately... I think Shea is going to be great this season. I, I I have full faith in Shea Gilgis Alexander, his talent on the court and his work ethic to get better off the court. And I think that'll show this year. Yeah. And hey, you know, I, I, I called that line at the circus. Uh, the spacing that Shea has to deal with is kind of like being in a clown car. So there you go. We're, we're just going right back to it. <laughs> Alex, what would you think about Shea going into the season, man? Uh, so last year, um, remember we started the season, one of the biggest things that I said was that, you know, Shea was going to go ahead and encounter those double teams and those defenses just keying in on him. Um, and, you know, at the beginning of the last season, he had a couple outlets. You know, he had Al Horford. He had George Hill. Um, this year he doesn't have that. You know, and this year he has a bunch of young guys around him. Um, and, you know, young guys are unproven. Um, and I, I think we saw a little bit with the, the Hornets game that there could be some times that it, it could be a little bit difficult for him. You know, that, that you know, good defenses, you know, the, the NBA is the NBA. And every team has the ability to defend. Whether they're the number 30th ranked team on defense, they still have the ability to defend at a professional level. Um, and so – I think he saw a little bit of that in the Hornets game, and it's going to be very interesting what how Dagnall, um goes ahead and counters that, you know, because you're going to have to do that to not necessarily wear him out in the season either. You know, you don't want him just running into walls all the time this season. So it'll be very interesting to see how, how the coach counters that and what lineups he puts out there to counter that. I Like, you know, like I said previous, I think Ty Jerome – is a big time factor in all of this. Like a lot of people, you know, think that he's, he's like an odd man out when it comes to the guard lineup and stuff like that. I actually don't think that. I actually think that he's going to be a big part of um, Shea's development as far as putting him out there as a spacer and keeping defensive honest, these defenses honest. Um, and I think Mike Muscala also is going to be put out there from time to time to keep defensive de defenses honest um, to give Shea some space. Yeah, for sure. We, I mean, you know what, like we said, like Shane needs all the space they can get, and Ty and Moose, you know, they help out in that regard. And it, it it was weird, you know. I mean, last year, you know, 
the scouting report was revolving around Shea and I don't know, it just felt different with the Hornets, a lot more doubles. And, you know, when he had the ball, the entire team was watching what Shea was going to do. There was plenty for what Shea is going to do. But, you know, if Josh Giddy continues a superstar play, then maybe attention will start to shift over to Giddy's way. Um, Brandon, what's your uh, single orange item going into the regular season? Yeah, I mean, I think Shea is, is the right call. Um, I, I think that Shay taking that next step, uh, we've, we've kind of pinpointed the most important things for the thunder on the show. And, and I think you guys have done a really good job of, of kind of rounding out all the, the most important priorities for the thunder this season. So if I weren't to choose Shay, <laughs> this, this may sound terrible, but, uh, I would say securing a top five pick in next year's draft. Uh, I think that's something that, you know, kind of unspoken this season, everybody spoke about it last year and nobody's really talking about it this year as much. Uh, but the Thunder have maybe a better chance this season than they did last season because they had Shea and Horford and Hill. And because, uh, you know, there were a lot of other teams that decided to tank last season. I think that some of those teams improved and they got healthy guys back. The Thunder actually, on paper got worse because you lose Al Horford and George Hill um, and, and didn't replace them with, with a Kimball Walker or, or anything like that. Uh, I think that adding Josh Giddy is improvement, but uh, I, I think that they have a better shot at a top five pick this year. And next year's draft is absolutely loaded. And we talk about blue chip talent and we talk about Shea and Giddy and, and maybe Lou Dort and, and Poku, but you know, this rebuild, it's its for real, and it's not a bad thing. The Thunder want to see all their players grow and develop, these young guys. That's what this is all about. This season is all about the young guys and seeing what they have. Sam Press even said it when he was speaking to the media. Like, this is a baseline season. We want to see what we have. So see which of these young guys are going to stick around. See which ones are keepers. And then you take this season, probably not going to have a good record. You get a top five pick add a blue chip talent to this team. And then the Clippers may not be that great this season, especially if they deal with any more injuries whatsoever to some of the top guys, then all of a sudden maybe you got two really good draft picks added to this roster. And then maybe that next season, you can really start to, to do something, but you know, the thunder, it's funny because some fans were absolutely against the, the tank last year. Some fans, didn't think that the t- Thunder tanked hard enough and they should have tanked harder. Uh, this season, they're not going to tank. They're not going to, like, intentionally sit anybody and try to lose. The Thunder don't do that. They they will try to win. Once the ball is tipped, they will try to win. And there are no Al Horfords or, or George Hills to shut down this season. So they're going to play their young guys. They're going to try to win. Um, but you don't really win much in the NBA with, with rookies and second-year players. That's just the nature of the beast. And so, you know, if they win, awesome, because they did it on the backs of Shea and Giddy and Dort and Poku and Maladone. And if they don't win, okay, well, that's better for the draft pick. It's going to be a fun season if you can just enjoy development and seeing some guys maybe kind of jump off the screen and, and, and exceed expectations and say, and then start looking, you know, at the 2022 draft prospects and start pulling up tankathon again it could be a really fun season yeah that's the key man you know you got to find 
you got to find joy in different ways. And, you know, when you, when you're following a tanking team, you know, you don't find joy in, you know, the wins or sorrow and the losses, you know, you're just, you find joy in the development of the players and, you know, uh, isolated moments like, um, you know, Tyler Parker, you know, encapsulated it so beautifully in his like uh, first tank diary when he talks about door hitting the three, it's like, you know, I was, I was happy, but then I was mad. And, you know, it's, it's, it's moments like that, that, you know, you, you just gotta, gotta focus in on because I mean, at the end of the day, like door hitting that game winner, like that's, that's good for his development. That's great for his confidence. That's, you know, I mean, that, that's ultimately a good thing for our franchise. So yeah, it's, it's weird because you got to shift your way of thinking, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited, man. I, I think that I want to say that like, it's, it's written in stone that we'll be top five this year, but I thought we'd been top five last year too. So uh, I can't say, um, you know, beyond a shadow of the doubt, but there's some great guys there at the top of the draft. Um, some great bigs, which seems to be what we are, you know, kind of our whole right now. Um, so yeah, it's going to be interesting, man. Um, and you know, if we don't make it into that top five, it's going to be interesting to see if this is the year that we want to push some chips in to try to get in that top five. You know, there was the talk of us uh, possibly moving into the top three to try to get Evan Mobley. Uh, apparently, we was pretty aggressive on that front, um, but it never materialized. So, um, if we're not in the top five, if we fall out to like six like we did this year, you know, are we going to do what's necessary to get in there to get a player like that or – have the Thunder already identified somebody that's going to be, you know, in the six to nine range, kind of like our boy Josh Giddy, and, you know, just shock the world. So it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, Alex, uh, what's what's your stance on the whole uh, tanking thing this year? You think we're destined to get a top five pick or uh, you not want to play with fate after last year? I mean, I – the, the draft lottery is what it is. You know, we got, we got burned by it last year and we were supposed to, you know, be picking four and we ended up at six. Um, you know, it, you can only do so much as far as the draft dog, you know, Pressy has said this, you know, he's, he's, he's been very adamant about the fact that you can only do so much about it. Like once you, you know, once you get your draft order, you know, once, once the draft lottery happens, you know, you have to go ahead and rely on, on the scouting department. You have to rely on, you know, the coaches to be like, hey, you know, this is the guy that we think can help in our development to become that, you know, that playoff slash championship contending team. Um, there are great prospects in this in this draft. You know, you got you got Chet, you got Paolo, you got Jaden Hardy, you got, you know, Jalen Duran. Um they may be the top four. We may get the number five pick, but I'm, you know, I do trust Presty and I do trust the scouting department and things like that um, to have a player ready for this team. But we have that asset chest, and I do think, you know, I, I think last season we kind of held off on on, you know, putting a, a Godfather deal out there um, because it was it was literally the first year of of the rebuild. I think, I think this next draft, you know, if we're, you know, if we're picking in a top five, if we're, if we're number five and it's a four player draft, I can almost guarantee you that this team will go ahead and kind of throw out a, you know, five picks for moving up two spots type thing 
um, this season because, again, they have way too many first-rounders over these next two to three seasons. Um, and, you know, they got to start kind of packing, packaging those picks together and, and moving up or, or doing what they need to do to package those picks. Um, so I'm always, I've always been team tank. Do you know that? Every, yeah. You know, all of our listeners know that. Um, so keep the tank going, keep the development going. Um, and like, and like, and like you said, players don't tank. Mm-hmm. Coaches don't tank. Mark Dagnall is not out here trying to tank. Shea Gilgis Alguera is not out here trying to tank. If they win a game, props to them. If they win a game the right way, props to them. If they win a game against the Lakers, if they win a game against, you know, the Clippers, the Nets, whoever, and they busted their ass doing it, good on them. That's great for their development. And I'm yep. not going to go ahead and, you know, and, and poo-poo on that, on that parade. Um, but again, this team is made out of a bunch of young players, so it's going to be hard to do that night in and night out. So keep the tank rolling, but keep the development going also. There you go. Got to keep making uh, upgrades to the tank there. So, uh, Alex, man, what's your yeah. large item uh, going into regular season? Going into the regular season, I mean, I'm just I'm I'm interested to see the the rotation how how it shakes out. You know, I'm interested to see how this Derek Favor situation kind of shakes out because I don't think he has as much cachet as as did Horford. Um, so if he may be, he may literally be that player that we just say, "Hey, you're the old guy here. Enjoy your seat on the bench. We'll put more padding there if you need it." Um, but you know, we're not necessarily going to play you too much either. Um, I I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily want to buy him out. Um, but I could see us doing that also. So just seeing how this rotation plays out, uh, seeing who who those starting five are going to be, um, and seeing if, if that remains consistent or whether that's going to be very fluid, uh, from game to game or from, you know, five game stretch here to five game stretch there. So, um, just very interested in the rotation. Yep. And uh Brandon, let's let's go to you here, man. Um in, in terms of the rotation, just uh if you was to give me your prediction for like a nine man rotation, who who would you have in it? Well, I don't want to cheat, but I think that the Thunder will, you know, use a lot more than nine men in a rotation this season because they're gonna yeah. wanna give all these guys minutes. But if I had to choose just nine. Uh, I think the starters, I predicted this uh, in a Daily Thunder article uh, a couple of weeks ago. I'm, I'm happy I got it in before the first preseason game, but I predicted it would be SGA, Dort, Giddy, Baisley, and Favors, and I st- still think it will be. Roby started that first preseason game, but Favors was out. I think they'll start Favors, so I'm going to stay with that. Then – the bench is rough. The bench is so hard to figure because there's so many guys that need minutes, but you figure Teo will still be the starting point guard. Uh, Trey Mann's going to play. I mean, he's going to play. There's, there's no doubt. He's, he's the 18th overall pick in a rebuild. He's going to play. Ty Jerome feels like he's needs to be in the rotation because he's one of the top guys, but then Kenrich Williams needs to play as well. Uh, because he's a he's a vet on this team and he's too good to sit. Uh, Poku's going to play, uh, so I'm already like. But then, but Roby will probably play. Uh, Jer- Jeremiah Robinson Earl's going to play. 
uh, it's going to expand. I think it's going to be a deal where maybe one night is like Kenrich Williams night. And the next night's like Ty Jerome's night. One night, Jeremiah Robinson Earl's night. The next night, Isaiah Roby's night. Like it could be something like that, or it could be a deal where they go to, to 12 men rotation on a single night just because they want to get everybody minutes. Gabriel Deck's probably going to play some. He's got, he doesn't really fit on this team as much as I like Gabriel Deck and the Gabriel Deck story. Uh, you know, he's, he's not young and he's also not like a vet that you can flip for assets and you rehab and things like that. So I don't get the fit, but you don't go through all that trouble of, of signing a guy and, and bring him in over for 10 games during COVID. And he could have gone back to play in Europe, but he stayed here. I think that there's kind of a handshake agreement that, you know, he'll probably get some minutes. So th- I have not given you a straight answer and I apologize. Uh, that's because I don't think that there, I don't think there is a straight answer to give. I think that almost everybody on this team is going to get minutes and it's going to change from night to night. And some nights you're probably going to see like 12 men in the rotation. Yeah, I, I can definitely see it being very fluid. Um, you know, they just, uh, just trying to not necessarily throw crap at the wall, and see what sticks, but, you know, just, try to experiment with uh, what lineups work together most, um, you know, because I mean, you know, going back to the, uh, the Chris Paul team, like, you know, Billy Donovan threw out that he was going to be running three point guard. And he's like, you know, what, what the heck are you talking about? And, you know, it turned out that, you know, it worked great. It worked awesome. And, you know, we might run some three point guard. We've got enough point guards that we could do it, but um, just the idea of having multiple playmakers out there, um, which is what the three-point guard uh, system did for you. You know, if you have uh, Shea, Dennis, and Chris Paul out there, you know, those are your three playmakers. You know, in this iteration, you could have Shea, you could have Dory, you could have Poku, you could have Giddy, you could have Tejo, you could have Ty, you could have Trey Mann, you could have um, – I mean, you know, yeah, that, that's probably it. No, and you could have Kendrick Williams too, you know. So, you've you got a lot of, you know, different lineups that you could throw out there. You can go bigger, you can go smaller, you can have more shooting, you can have more defense. Like it, it's it's gonna be really fun to see. You know, Dave Nolt's got a he's got a lot of toys in his toy box there to, you know, try to sort through and you know, see what works, like we said. So but yeah, man, you know, that that was our single large items. We had three of them, and we're gonna transition into our uh, final segment here, and it's gonna be the final edition of this segment, and that is the what if time space reality it's more than a linear path it's a prism of endless possibility where a single choice can branch out into infinite realities, creating alternate worlds from the ones you know. I am the Watcher. I am your guide through these vast new realities. Follow me and ponder the question, what if? All this to make one super soldier. Steve! That's the moment. It has to be now! That created a whole new hero. 
This Wednesday, the secrets of the multiverse will be revealed. Oh, I'm counting on it. Ponder the question. What if? Streaming Wednesday, only on Disney+. Plus. All right, so the past four weeks, uh, we've been going back through Thunder history, covering some of the biggest what-ifs and pitting them against each other in a this or that what-if. Uh, this week's going to be different. We're just going to, you know, we're going to rip off the Band-Aid. We're going to talk about the granddaddy of them all in terms of the what-if for the Thunder, and it is what if Kevin Durant comes back 2016-2017 season. And what does that look like? So, uh, Alex, I'm, I'm going to kick it to you to start it off, man. Um, what What's your initial thoughts on this? What if besides it hurts your heart? I mean, it would it would have been a much better Fourth of July that year. Um, I know that much. Yes, sir. Um, so, so what? So, so you're asking me what do I think like the team construction would look like? Uh, you know, j- just your thoughts. So, if I tell you that Kevin Durant comes back, what do you think that looks like? I mean, I think it looks like almost like a parade, like when re- whenever Russell uh, resigned after, um, after KD left. Um, I don't know, man. I like it. It would look great. I mean, that team was literally, you know, a game away from making it to the finals. Um, that team took a 73 win team to seven games. They had them down three, one. Um, and so if you bring back Durant um, and, you know, I've always said, and it hurts my heart that it hurts my heart. We still had the components to bring in Paul George. Mm-hmm. Like we still had that Serge Ibaka to Orlando trade that netted us you know, DeMontis Sabonis and Victor Oladipo. And so in turn, maybe the next season, or maybe even that, you know, that same season, we could have taken those two guys and whooped over to Indiana and gotten Paul George. So can you imagine a lineup of Russell Westbrook, Paul George, Kevin Durant, and then whatever the hell else you want to throw out there? Um, you know, that would have been something amazing. Steven Adams, Al Horford, whoever, um, that would have been something just beautiful um and so you know it always makes me sad because it it wasn't necessarily just kevin it was the fact that this could have been like a literal super team out there that we would have had in oklahoma city yeah um and it just you know it just kind of sucks that that we never were able to see that come to fruition yeah and you know before we kind of get into the logistics of what the roster construction would kind of look like uh, I, I guess I should have framed my question uh, a little more specifically there on what it would look like. And uh, I'll, I'll go to Brandon on this. So, Brandon, I tell you, Kevin Rent comes back to the Thunder. Is it on a four-year max deal? Is it on, a, you know, one year, like, and then I'm out of here deal? Like, you know, like a last dance type of thing? Uh, what, what do you think that looks like if I tell you Kevin Rent comes back to the Thunder 2016-2017 season? Well, it tells me – that uh, Golden State must have ended up winning the title that year uh, because the Cavs didn't end up winning the title 
so I think that's how the history is changed because I think it's going to Golden State no matter what, unless that they won the title. I think that's the one situation where it's like, ah, I can't go to Golden State and have the, the hardest road uh, because they just won back-to-back titles. I think that gave him the window to go. I think if he did come back, I think that it means uh, – I think that he probably would have signed long-term. I think that, that it means that the Thunder signed Al Horford and he's mm-hmm. happy because he sees Al Horford's like an all-star type talent and a defensive play of the year type of guy uh, because that's who Al Horford was at the time. I think that means he sees what he has in Russell Westbrook and Steven Adams and, and Dre and, and all these things. And I think he sees that the Thunder are serious and that, you know, the Warriors and, and Thunder can be this rivalry. And, and now that they have, Oh, also Oladipo uh, and Sabonis, he, he sees the potential like short term uh, because they're already really good enough to contend. And he sees young guys in Oladipo and Sabonis. So, he could stay long-term and they'll grow up and, you know, be good. I think that he sees all those things that every single Thunder fan saw the potential of what the Thunder could be had he stayed. Uh, I think that that's what it means. So I think that he would have signed long-term. Okay. Yeah. I, I kind of gone back and forth on that because I always, you know, just in my head, like, uh, you know, they talk about it in, uh, in Loki or no, not Loki. Uh, what was it? about something being oh no no, no. It, it was in the what if episode duh um and the doctor strange what if episode how um you know there's things that are quote-unquote absolute points in history and one of the things that you know i kind of thought about being an absolute point in history is kevin durant you know leaving the thunder like there was i, I don't think there was ever going to be a scenario where he ended up retiring here you know despite how bad we wanted him to so in my mind i would say if he comes back it's going to be like a one last dance thing like you know we bring in all these players um, you know, maybe Al Horford instead of signing like a you know like a four year max, he signs like a one year deal. Um, you know, at that point he hadn't he didn't he didn't go to Philly at that point. Uh, so you know he didn't have his like um, digression in terms of his play and his trade value or not not trade value but just value in the league overall. So you know he could maybe get a one year deal and then still go get a max elsewhere if he so felt like it. Um, but you know, then again, Billy Donovan was there, so it, it, it's a lot of layers there to it. Um, so l- l- let me go back to Alex here on this. So, you know, we talked a little bit about roster construction. Obviously, you got Russell Westbrook, you got Kevin Durant, Andre Robertson's there, Stephen Adams is there. We had already made the trade, we brought over Victor Oladipo, Urson Eliasova, and Urson Eliasova, sorry, and um, Demonis Sabonis. So, you know, we have a contending team. We have a team that was a game away from going to the finals. Uh, Do you think, personally, that, you know, we kind of ride with that kind of roster? We also have Ennis Cantor. Uh, Deion Waiters might come back at that point. You know, if, you know, we have a competitive team. Um, you know, if if we have that roster, do you think that we stick with the youth of Vic and Domas, or do you think that we do you think that we're compelled to make that deal sooner than later, or for the Paul George trade? I, it just kind of depends because, like, is it me or is it Brandon? I'm sorry. No, go, go ahead, Alex. Yeah, go ahead. You good? So it just like I don't think the situation in Indiana had soured um, 
at that point yet, number one. And number two, I think you have to stick with, uh, with, with Oladipo and Sabonis just to show what they can do. Um, mm-hmm. Because that's one of the things that kind of, that kind of spearheaded that trade was the fact that we, you know, Kevin Durant left. And so it was an entire season of seeing what Oladipo can do as a, as a number two and, and the potential of Sabonis out there as a starter for most of the season. Um, and so that, you know, that ability to showcase them that way, um, I, I believe provided Indiana with enough preview to go ahead and make that trade the following season. So, you know, I say that we had the components for the Paul George trade. I don't think the Paul George trade happens because I do think that you are, um, you know, I, I think that you're a little bit, a little bit hamstrung as far as, you know, showing these players and showing their abilities. Yeah, and that's all fair. Hey, um, I, I have to step away for a little bit. Oh, no, you're good. You're good. Um, Brandon, okay. what, what do you think in terms of that uh, trade? Do you think that, you know, we kind of stick with Vic and Domas, or do you think that, um, you know, we kind of see what we have? Maybe we feel like we have a team that's good enough to win, but to solidify, you know, getting that ring over the Warriors and even, you know, Cleveland on the other side of the bracket, um, in order to solidify that, we need to make another move. Um, you know, for a guy like Paul George, you know, since he was the guy that we got, or if there's somebody else out there, do you think we kind of lean on the youth and development, or do you think that we kind of push it, our chips in there? Right. I think it depends on what would have happened that season in particular and how it finished. Like, do they win the finals? If they win the finals. They probably stick with the same team. If they fall short of expectations, they probably do make the move. Uh, you know, the Thunder had been planning – on pushing in their chips and using, you know, the max money and paying the luxury tax and all those things when they felt like they were ready to contend. Mm-hmm. And there was all those contending years, but there was all those injuries and not the right opportunity. The Paul George thing was the right opportunity. I think if that opportunity did present itself and Sam Preston could make that decision again with the Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant team, he does it. And that would be a pretty unstoppable team at that time. Yeah. Uh, man, that would have been fun. But, yeah, so I think that they ultimately do it. But, like I said, if they'd won the finals already and if Vic or, or Sabonis had something to do with that, they probably, you know, don't broke what's fixed type of thing. So, mm-hmm. uh, so you know, it just kind of all depends on what would have happened contextually at the time. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, I think if all things were even and Vic played like he did, that season anyways and Sabonis played like he did and Paul George was available he, he pulls the trigger yeah and that's fair and uh, you know it's very possible that you know in that first season there with Russell Westbrook KD and all those guys that uh, Vic does excel in his role because I, I believe that it was reported you know when the trade was made that Vic was brought in with the intention to try to, you know, catch lightning in a bottle again in a James Harden type player, you know, a guy that can come off the bench, that can score, that can initiate the offense and, you know, create for himself as well as, you know, his teammates. And, you know, that was going to be his role and, you know, keep Dre in there as a starter, um, re- really kind of, you know, keep the same starters. I, I, and, and, you know, obviously Horford was going to slide in for a Baca if Kevin Durant came back. So, yeah, I mean, having Vic there off the second unit, he really could have made a huge impact on that team. So, at that point, I mean, 
you know, this is all what if. So at that point, if Vic plays good enough, like all the way like into the finals, and you feel like you, you don't have to move on from him because he's, I think at that point, he, I mean, he's younger than Paul George. So, you know, maybe he's a piece that you'd rather hold on to. Now, that, this is what's interesting about this. And, you know, like <laughs> it, it, it's highly unlikely it would ever happen. But this is what if. So, you know, we're going to have fun with it, man. Um, you know, we're talking about having the pieces there to go get the Paul George trades. Um, you still had the pieces there to get Jeremy Grant. Like, I think it was Ersan Ilyasova and a late first-round pick, and we got Jeremy Grant, you know. He was kind of more not really necessity, but, you know, our team uh, didn't really have a direction, so we was just kind of bringing in young talent, you know, to kind of take a chance on and develop. Um, so I, I don't think that we would make that move, but it's a move that could still be made. And Jeremy Grant, if he developed into the player that, you know, he showed that he could be, he could have been a really valuable uh, player on that team. Um, another one, I want to ask you about this, um, and it's a little bit layered. Campaign was on that team. Um, of course, Campaign, Amo, and uh, was it Joffrey Laverne? Was that who it was that was traded uh, for Taj Gibson and Doug McDermott? Yeah, he was a part of that deal. Yeah, was, yeah Joffrey Laverne. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I couldn't remember. I, <laughs> God, Joffrey Vernon. I haven't said that name in forever. Um, but, you know, obviously, like, there's a deal that has to happen in order for you to get to the Carmelo trade, but the pieces are there to, you know, form a Carmelo trade. So <clears throat> there, there's just a lot of options that you could have um, with, you know, that roster if Kevin Rant comes back. It's like a snowball effect. Kevin Rant comes back. Russell Westbrook probably signs long-term if KD signs long-term. Al Horford was going to sign. <coughs> Of course, we've already traded for Vic and, you know, Domas. So, like, what you really start to see a dynasty emerging uh, from that team. So, Brandon, uh, kind of the um, kind of the scoring uh, point for these what-ifs that we've been doing is the titles that they would win. And, you know, we, we would kind of end up around the 16-17 season because, you know, even in that what-if scenario, Durant would leave but this one's entirely different. You know, if we're saying that he comes back, you know, you say you think he signs long-term. I don't disagree with you. I didn't really have a strong opinion on that. So I'm, I'm going to lean on you as the host or as the guest for that. Um, you know, Durant comes back long-term and then, you know, like I said, all this snowball things happens. How many titles do you think the Thunder could accumulate if Kevin Durant comes back and all these things start to snowball? By snowball, do you mean that they also get Paul George or just kind of sticking with the team that they had and we're saying that Al Horford's a part of it? Yeah, Al Horford that kind of steps into the six-man role. and Okay. Yeah. Yeah, at that point, I mean, I think two is a safe t- – they're going to win a title. That team mm-hmm. wins a title. To me, they they were the favorites if Katie re-signed and, and Al Horford came. Like, you cannot convince me otherwise. I think they win at least one. I would put my money on two. I wouldn't have been shocked that they won three. But, you know, there's so many things that go into it, injuries and, yeah. and luck and and those kind of things. And, uh, you know, do the Warriors feel like they got to add something so they go out and get something else? Or, you know, LeBron teams up with somebody and, you know, Kawhi goes somewhere else because now the Thunder have a super team. 
all that said, if I had to choose a number, I feel like two is the number. They, they win. They win at least one, but but I'll say two. Yeah, for sure. And I I, I think I'm I'm right there with you on that. And you know, just looking back on it, it's just like you know, Kevin Rant was so desperate to win a ring that you know he wanted to you know leave OKC and you know go to a team that. I mean, I've I've said this a million times. Like the Warriors didn't need Kevin Durant; they just needed Kevin Durant not to be on the Thunder. Yep. And yep. you know that, that's what it was. He went to the Warriors, and you know they didn't need him, and he was just a luxury to have out there. And you know, I wouldn't. Yeah, he definitely showed up in the finals against LeBron. Like he had some marquee moments, but you know, at the end of the day, he could have had all that glory he could have had that ring he could have had the ring he could have had a team you know built to fit him and russ in okc and not only would he have those rings like what he he won two rings with the warriors right so he could have had like we said two rings with the thunder and he wouldn't become this hated player this villain this this guy that you know, we say his rings aren't real. Like, we would have respected Katie, and I think it would have, you know, really helped cement his legacy in a more, you know, definite way had he just did what he did where he started it all. So, it, yeah, it's annoying to say. Alex, we uh, we determined that we think that if Kevin Rant resigns and everything snowballs from there, Al Horford – signs victor oladipo steps into that six-man role um we've determined that we think that two is a safe bet for titles one what, what do you think about that i agree i completely agree um i think we were on the precipice you know we were on we were, we were there on the mountaintop about to go over the edge and and you know then he pulled the rug from under us so i, I definitely agree you know, it, it depends. Uh, you know, I know, I know. I left you guys whenever you guys were talking about what kind of deal he would sign. Um, yeah, I definitely think he would have signed maybe a two plus one, probably a two plus one, because uh, I believe that would have gotten him to his ten year. You know how they have like that ten year thing where if, the if you're in the league for ten years, yeah, the super max. I think that would have gotten him there. Um, so, yeah, so I think he would have given us at least two years. I could see one during that time, and then I could see him maybe extend, ex- extending again and, you know, maybe us winning another one. Uh, so, yeah, I could definitely see at least two. Yep, for sure, man. So, yeah, I think two's the safe number. Um, yeah, uh, Brandon, you know, as we close out of the what if, man, did you have any closing thoughts on – the what if Durant resigned with us? No, I mean, it would have changed the entire landscape of the NBA had Kevin Durant yeah. stayed. Obviously, for Oklahoma City and the Thunder, everything changes. More than likely, the Thunder win at least one title. Uh, you know, the the that entire team, the narrative changes, the narrative on – Kevin Durant obviously changes in a, in a majorly positive way. The narrative on Russell Westbrook absolutely changes in a positive Mm -hmm. way. He's not, he's not going to win MVP now, but he's going to win a championship and be considered, you know, the second best player on a championship. And he's looked at in a positive, well, more positive light. 
uh, you know, Sam Presti's narrative changes and, you know, what a, what a genius he is of a GM and all this. I mean, like it changes everything. The Warriors don't win all these titles. Uh, LeBron probably doesn't win, you know, another time. Like it, it changes so much. Not to say that, oh, Kevin Durant signs and Al Horford signs and all of a sudden the Thunder just winning every time. It's not like that, but I'm saying they're going to win at least one. And, and it, it just affects the entire landscape and narratives and storylines. And it affects so many different legacy uh, legacies. I mean, from, from Steph Curry's to, to, like I said, the Thunder players and GMs and it's just crazy how much goes into all of this. And now this net super team isn't formed. So, you know, the team that's there now and the way the NBA landscape is right now is different. Like it's, it's just nuts how much that one decision just, had a trickle effect on on so many different teams and and players and GMs and and storylines and legacies and narratives. It's just nuts. Yeah, you know, we we called it the biggest what if in Thunder history, but I, I think that as you kind of layer it like that, like it's legitimately one of the biggest what ifs in NBA history. So, you know, like you said, you know, Durant's always going to be looked at. Um, kind of in the negative light because he took the easy way out, man. Like, not only did he go to the team that had the best record of all time, 73 and nine, not only did he go to the team that, you know, beat us, you know, he, he took the standard saying, if you can't beat them, join them, <laughs> like literally. And, uh, not only all that, but we was on the precipice of something great. Just like Alex said, like we was next. The Warriors were scared. Like, you know, they got us that time. But Andre Iguodala said after they won the finals, they was like, if they would have beat us, they was winning the ring. Like they're they're up next. So everybody knew it. And everybody knew it except Kevin Durant is what it seemed like. So, yeah, it's uh, it's it's an unfortunate it's an unfortunate thing to happen and, you know, revisionist history is fun. And that's, that's why we did these. It was fun to kind of take a trip back memory lane. It was a painful trip down memory lane, but it is fun kind of getting to talk out, you know, all these different scenarios. So uh, I, I really enjoyed the what if scenarios and that, and uh, you know, appreciate you guys coming on for that. But um, Brandon, you know, we, we kept you a little bit longer than I originally planned hundred percent. Like, thank you for coming on, sticking on with us. Um, you know, you've always been cool with us, you know, come on the pod a few times and definitely look forward to having you on a few more times. I uh, want to give you the opportunity to go ahead and plug any stuff you got and, you know, we'll get you out of here. Absolutely. Thanks, man. Always good to come on with you guys. I enjoy what you guys are doing. Keep up the good work and I will come on anytime. Uh, yeah, you can check uh, my stuff out at dailythunder.com or you can check me out on Twitter at Brandon Rabar. That's R-A-H-B-A-R. And I'm also doing this old man game show with uh, – jerry ramsey and john ham from the franchise so yeah check out all that stuff or don't whatever it's fine <laughs> oh absolutely yeah brandon is one of the best uh thunder twitter follows on twitter so definitely follow him i'll follow him if you are not and uh check out all the stuff he writes some great stuff for daily thunder so definitely check that out and uh yeah man so on behalf of myself alex and brandon uh thank you guys for listening Hope you guys have a great night. God bless. Wear a mask where you need to. Get vaccinated if you have not. Hoop when you can. And as always, thunder up. Thunder up. Thunder up.
And thanks for the compliments. <laughs> yes, sir. Thank you for listening to the Topic Thunder podcast. Our podcast is available to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play, or anywhere else you listen to your podcast. Be sure to leave us a five-star rating and a positive review, and follow us on Twitter at OKC Topic Thunder. Thunder up! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.